Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is episode 126, and we're discussing our favorite anime movies. There will probably be some semi-light, semi-medium spoilers to this episode, but we're going to try not to spoil any major plot points or give away any endings to these movies. So you've been warned. All right, elephant in the room. Let's just talk about it. Carl and I are both sick. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened. It just happened to both get sick at the same time. Well, yeah, I think there's something going around in this area because many of my friends are also sick. So it's it's probably just that time of year. It's probably just a wave of something going through the Chicago area. And yeah, we both sound nasally, so we apologize for that. Um, but yeah, we're both sick. The only person in our household, a person, the only... The only one in our household not sick is our dog, Rigby. <laughs> so it's just, it's uh, the two of us suffering here. Although I do feel a lot better now. I just, I have this really nasally voice. So bear with us, guys. We apologize for the way we sound, but it'll still be a really good discussion. We have a couple of updates. One is an anime update, and the other, I guess, is also technically an anime update, but it's more around our schedule. So let's start with that one first. It's all about Attack on Titan. Um, in a very awkward way, we're going to have to change what we announced in the last, like, what, two episodes of Strictly Anime? Yeah. And just forgive us, guys, because this is news that is, like, up to the minute. And, of course, no one really knew what was happening with the final season, part three, final part. This is the final Whatever part. it's called now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, all we knew... At the time was that it was supposed to come out in 2023, so this year. But I'm reading an article from Crunchyroll.com. Well, we did also know that it was it was going to come out March 4th. Oh, that's true. So that's why the last two episodes we shared our schedule um, for the return of our Attack on Titan special event. Uh, and then, yeah, something changed. <laughs> yeah. So we shared this in our Strictly Announcements channel on the Discord, but there's an article on Crunchyroll.com that says... Attack on Titan Final Season Part 3 anime first half revealed to be one hour special. The official Twitter account for the series revealed that the first half will be a one hour special airing on NHKG on March 4th, leading viewers on the path that is the final arc later in the year. The first half of Attack on Titan Final Season Part 3 final arc is scheduled to air on the channel on March 4th at 12.25am Japan time as a one hour special. The second part is scheduled for some time in 2023. So, TLDR, there's only one episode coming out for the final season, part 3.1. And it'll be a one-hour special on March 4th, or maybe mm -hmm. March 3rd for us here um, in, in the States and in the side of the world. So what we're going to do is we're still going to bring back our Attack on Titan special event. Of course we are. We wouldn't miss an opportunity to do so. We know that this the special event is some of the, the most uh, anticipated episodes that we put out on Strictly Anime. So we're going to do a single episode. It's going to be one special event episode that will release on March 8th. That'll cover the entirety of the one-hour special of Attack on Titan. So we have no clue how much there's going to be to talk about. It could be a very lengthy special event episode. But either way, we're still going to bring it back. We're staying true to the way we do things here. And yeah, look forward to that episode on March 8th. We'll just dive deep into everything that happens in this one-hour special, which is 
essentially like three to four anime episodes if you think about not having um, an OPs and EDs and then like the actual episodes being like 20 minutes each. The watch is going to be like 55 minutes of recap and then the last five minutes we'll see what uh, the continuation of what happened in the part two finale. I'll honestly be pissed. And that's what makes me nervous about them calling it a one hour special because normally with those specials, to your point, they can be a toss up. It can be an entirely... Uh, an entire set of brand new content for the special, or it could be a combo recap and then a, cu- a couple of minutes or maybe half of it is new content. So I really hope it's all brand new content. I don't need a fucking recap. We live in the age of streaming. If I needed a recap, I would just go rewatch the final season, which is what we've been doing with our Attack on Titan retrospective episodes, rewatching seasons one through three. So please just give us all new content. I almost kind of wish, though, if it is all new content, that they would just break it up into three or four episodes. So even if it's not a full core, I would rather just watch it weekly and then see it four weeks in a row, three weeks in a row, whatever it is. Although there has been a little bit of discussion in our Attack on Titan channel on the Discord, um, and I've talked to some friends who have read the manga, um, just trying to see, like, was it even possible for them to handle the the final arc of the story um, in these split up episodes, or if one hour does it justice? And I think some of the, our friends and some of the users were saying that um, with all the stuff that happens in this next arc or this final arc, it would be kind of difficult to split them up into individual episodes just because there's a it it would be hard to find a start or end point. So like from a pacing perspective? Right. Okay. And I guess it kind of fulfills the rumor about the final part turning into a movie. Oh, because boy. <laughs> if, if the first half is going to be one hour, then you could predict that or presume that the second half might also take up an hour. So I guess, yeah, final season part three could technically be a two-hour movie for most yeah, I know. It's, I feel like that's slightly more likely given the way the rest of this is being handled. Um, I know some people are like pissed at MAPPA about this. Like everyone just feels like they're being blue balled. Everyone's like, what the fuck is going on? At the end of the day, as long as MAPPA takes as much time as needed, especially in an anime industry where we see a lot of studios have to meet these deadlines and then the anime product ends up suffering because of that, as long as they take their time and they give us the best, most like faithful ending ever, I'm okay with that. If it ends up being a movie, will I like that? I mean, I'd, I'd probably prefer um, an actual set of episodes so we can watch it as an anime TV show versus as a movie. But I'll, I'll take whatever, as long as it's good. As long as it's an, an amazing ending, the animation is solid, the production quality is solid, the storytelling, the pacing, like as long as everything hits the mark, that's all I could really ask for at this point. I'm just happy that we're seeing this and witnessing this on TV rather than them turning the final part into a movie where we'd have to pay cash and see it in a theater, which I know that's... And then we have to wait like six months to see it here in the States. Yeah, and I know that's probably a great experience, but again, Attack on Titan, this anime lives on as a television series, so I think it should end properly as a television series, even if it ends up just being these two one-hour specials that I'm predicting with the second half like that's what it's going to be 
And I, I know I'm I'm about to tap into like a whole other discussion that we could have on another day, but there's something really special, especially to the anime community, about watching a show weekly, especially a show like this. There's a sense of community that comes along with that. Uh, the discourse that follows every single episode, every single week, um, people, you know, talking about what the fuck just happened, theorizing what's going to happen next, um, and just like coming together and like being so hype every week about that 20 minute segment of, of content. It's, it's really special. And I know we've talked about this before. It was a bit, you know, a bit of a bummer with Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Part 6 Stone Ocean where Netflix did batch releases and you lost that sense of community because the hype died down so quickly when you didn't have weekly discussions happening about an anime. I think that that shows that there's something with the anime community where we are really brought together when a show is released in TV format in weekly <laughs> in weekly episodes. Mm -hmm. So even though that seems maybe very traditional, very old school, maybe it's not super innovative, it does resonate very well with anime fans. So that's why I personally would hope that they would stick to an actual like TV set of episodes versus another special or a movie. But again, whatever we get, as long as it's fucking amazing, that's all I could ask for at this point. So yeah, make sure to join us on March 8th once we see the first half of the final season part three and and give our thoughts and our review on that episode that special one hour episode it's gonna be a good time i'm looking forward to it um it, it still just baffles me that this entire i guess season four has been split across three years and is still being called the final season but attack on titan content I, i'm always here for it now on to the other anime update. I promised you guys that I would rewatch Wolf's Reign. I have finished it, and I promised you guys an update on my final thoughts after rewatching it. For some context, for those who aren't familiar, I watched Wolf's Reign when it first aired on Adult Swim uh, way back in the day, so I have not rewatched it since then. It has been many, many years. However, I ended up rating it a 4 out of 10 on Mal because I was so disappointed with the way the, the ending turned out. And then during our Roast of Strictly Anime episode, a lot of our listeners saw that rating and they were like, what the fuck? What, what is wrong with you? It is not that bad. And they implored me to give it another shot. So I did. And so now that I finished it, and that includes the 25, 26 main episodes plus the four OVAs, I, I feel like a flood of nostalgia came back for sure. Um, but I feel like maybe my rating wasn't like super accurate. Uh, giving it a 4 out of 10. So basically part of the reason I remember disliking the ending of the anime is because it has four recap episodes in a row in the latter half. And maybe that's what, what started my strong dislike for mm. recap episodes. I mean, that is absolutely absurd. I don't know the story behind it. My, my guess is that there are probably some production issues because then they came out with the four OVAs that completed the story. And I'm guessing, you know, they ran out of runtime on the main anime and then finished it through the four OVA. So had they not had those four recap episodes, they probably would have had a clean 25, 26 episodes. But I was like, oh my God, I totally forgot about that. And that, yeah, that irked me for sure. Um, it was a lot of fun rewatching it. I miss that clean, mature animation, like character style from the late 90s, early 2000s. Thinking about like Bebop, for example, like it just, it's such a, such an, an aesthetic art style. Um, and Wolf's Rain definitely has that. 
But there were definitely some pain points about the show. And I guess this is kind of spoilery. So if you haven't watched Wolf's Reign, maybe skip ahead. But um, without spoiling anything major, I would say the second half of the show really did falter. Um, I still love the first half, but the second half just kind of like started to to fall off a little bit. Like even as far in as the third to last episode, there's just a lot of traveling and searching and talking. And then people will coincidentally run into each other and then get split up again and then run into each other again. And it's like, this is just not realistic. It's not practical. Um, one of the main characters I counted literally gets taken. I don't know if you want to call it stolen or whatever, but she gets taken six or seven times over the course of the show. And I'm like, damn, you're repeating the same formula. It's like rinse and repeat. She gets taken, she gets taken, she gets taken. Um, so that that was kind of like... I don't know, not really exciting to watch. Um, and then you have like the antagonists and there's two of them, I think two main antagonists who have little to no backstory. So the whole time I'm wondering like, what are they doing and why are they doing this? So it almost kind of feels like they're there to just get in the wolf's way and like, I don't know, just be antagonists for the sake of being antagonists. And really a lot of the story is very surface level. And I think that's why I just had such a hard time like processing the ending of this anime, which I, I think is still good. It's very poetic, but I would not call it a strong ending. I won't spoil what the ending is, um, but the ending I think was still underwhelming for me. And I think a lot of that just has to do with the fact that like things just happen for the sake of getting an emotion out of you versus like actually making practical sense. Um, people come back and I'm like, how the fuck did that happen? Um, I'm trying not to spoil anything, but trying to give some context to, to my reasoning here. I, I think it was, I think people enjoyed that ending because back then poetic endings were very big in anime. Um, but watching it with today's context, I'm kind of like, uh, I, I enjoy the ending, but I kind of wish it was something more, just a little something more because the ending is just like them traveling and then a bunch of stuff happens and then like it closes out. Um, it is an open-ended ending, so I guess that's nice because you can kind of interpret it how you will, but I kind of prefer that there was a more structured ending because the rest of the anime leading up to that was so, I don't know, not, not one note, but again, it's a lot of traveling, it's a lot of talking, it's a lot of searching. So overall, I would say um, if I were to rescore Wolf's Reign, I would probably give it a six and a half out of ten. So, so it, two and a half points higher. Yeah, like it's it's good. I, I appreciate it. I had great nostalgia rewatching it. Um, I didn't regret rewatching it. So thank you to everyone who encouraged me to do so. Um, it is nice to kind of revisit um, that part of my early days of anime. But I would say it's not like perfect, and I, I still I still align to some of the qualms I had the first time I watched it. So I think maybe four out of 10 was a little egregious. <laughs> maybe that was a little too tough for Wolf's Reign. It's definitely not that bad, but I wouldn't call it a, a solid seven. I would say it'd be like a six and a half. So I guess if you were to look at my mail score, because it's the main set of episodes and then the four OVAs, I gave the main set of episodes a six out of 10. I gave the four, four OVAs a seven out of 10. So if I were to like average that, I don't know, 6.5 out of 10 for the whole thing. Yeah, I'll tell you about. So there you have it. That's my um, very 
light spoilery Wolf's Rain update. Should just do an episode on Wolf's Rain. I feel like you have a lot to say about this. And, Maybe or this rewatch. If enough people want me to go into like a deep dive on my thoughts, then I I'd be open to that. We could do that on the Patreon. Um, or here on the, the main show, let us know if you'd be interested in it. But yeah, I, I think it was nice to rewatch it. And now I'm kind of on this rewatch kick. I kind of want to pick up some stuff that I haven't seen in a long time that I like remember enjoying, like Chobits. I kind of want to rewatch Chobits. Hmm. Uh, I know I started rewatching GTO, but then I kind of put that on hold. Um, and then I want to watch uh, Cardcaptor Sakura again because that was fun. I don't know. Is there any Are there any shows that you remember watching back in the day? that you want to rewatch. I know you you became an anime fan a little bit later than I did, but any shows that you've been wanting to rewatch? Yeah, I'm actually looking at, I was looking at the Wikipedia for Wolf's Reign just kind of getting a gist of the story and then I realized um that it was written by or created by Keiko Nobumoto. I think she had passed away at the end of 2021, but she was involved in the writing for a lot of shows that we have enjoyed watching. Um like, like I said, Wolf's Reign. She was also part of Cowboy Bebop, uh, Carol and Tuesday. Also seeing here that she was involved in Samurai Champloo, which is a show that I absolutely enjoyed. It's one of uh, one of the first anime that I started watching outside of Bebop and Attack on Titan. And we ended up watching it together. Um, the English sub, of course, because uh, Steve Blum plays Mugen. And he does a great job at it. Steve L- Steve Blum is also in Wolf's Reign. Oh. And I think Johnny Young Bosch does the main character, Kiba. I watched it dub back in the day, but it's been so long that I decided to watch it sub this time around, which, funny enough, Mamoru Miyano <laughs> plays the main character for Wolf's mm. Reign on the sub side. But yeah, I would love to rewatch Samurai Champloo because that initial watch was the only time that I had watched the series. Um and yeah, I just I fell in love with it as much as I did with Cowboy Bebop. So I think that is probably due for another rewatch. Would we do a review on it? I don't know if we would, just because we've placed it high on our pedestal of anime that we really enjoy. And so it'd be hard to look at that through a very impartial and uh, critical lens. But yeah, I would just love to rewatch that show again. If you do, I'll watch it with you. I've I've seen it many times because it aired on Adult Swim, but I can never get enough of Samurai Champloo. Now let's jump into the main event, talking about our favorite anime movies. This might be a little bit interesting because normally when we do a favorites episode, I have an extremely long list. And you normally have the, like the shorter, more practical the list. The bare bones list. <laughs> <laughs> I I have three in an honorable mention. How many do you have? I I ended up whittling it down to three, and then I guess two honorable mentions. Because um, yeah, there were a couple movies, anime movies that I did enjoy and I did love. Because um, you know, anime movies, unlike. You know, there are great animated movies, but anime movies just hit on a very different level. Uh, But yeah, I was surprised when you told me you only really had three and then the honorable mention. Yeah, I I think it's weird. Like, I I enjoy a lot of anime movies. I have a lot of them on my watch list. But as far as, like, favorites or ones that just resonated with me or stick with me or I would love to rewatch, it's just this this handful. Um I don't know. I don't know what it is, but these movies in particular just uh, 
hit different than a lot of the other ones that I've seen. But as always, we have not shared our list with with each other, so we don't know what we're about to talk about. But I'm guessing, I'm going to guess there's at least one one movie that's going to be on both of our lists. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I know which one it is. And I know that there's one that is not going to be on your list because you've never watched it. Oh, okay. To my knowledge. <laughs> Do we want to do these in any particular order? Because I do ha- I do technically, normally I don't like rate them or rank them or whatever, but I actually do have like a ranking here of like my favorite favorite and then my number two and my number three favorite. Um, I don't have a particular ranking. Um, so Okay, I'll just, I'll talk about mine in like, you know, my third favorite, second favorite, first favorite, but on your end, it's just, it is what it is. So with that said, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? You can go first. Okay. I'm curious. Um, a little bit of a caveat here. When we talk anime movies, we're literally talking any movie. It doesn't have to be kind of a standalone film. It can be a movie that is tied to a main TV series. So that's going to come into play with my um, the first one I'll talk about, which is my number three favorite movie, I guess. And that is... My Hero Academia: Heroes Rising. Wow, that, I that's loved the, it. Um, the first episode we've ever done on Strictly I mean, was reviewing that, right? Holy shit! Yes. If you would love some really bad, cringy uh, shit from us, uh, go back. Hey, it was to... our start. <laughs> it was our rising. So. I know. I should be more. Uh, I should Strictly be more, rising. More understanding, because yeah, that was that was our our early days when we were a little more amateur in our podcasting journey, um, kind of testing the waters. But yes, episode one of Strictly Anime is our in-depth review of My Hero Academia Heroes Rising because we launched our podcast right around the time that this uh, movie came out. So we figured it'd be a great way to kick things off. And yeah, if you want to hear our in-depth thoughts, you can <laughs> you can venture all the way back in our catalog to episode one, but be warned, it will be it will be cringy. So why a My Hero movie? Why would I put that on my list? I mean, I've seen like Inuyasha movies. I've seen um, a fucking like, okay, now I can't think of any. Now that I'm saying that, I can't think of any, but I have a slew. There's Bebop There's knocking a, on heaven's yeah, door. Yeah, Bebop movie, Trigun movie, uh, Gintama movies. Like I've seen a bunch of them. Why did My Hero, Heroes Rising, which is the second My Hero movie, end up on my list? I don't really know. I just remember enjoying the shit out of it. I just had so much fun with that movie. The premise is dumb um, because the idea is like they leave the entire class of first years, the the entire 1A class on an island unsupervised, so no teachers are there, to basically act as heroes um, for the, the people living on this island when they were honestly like pretty inexperienced. So that was kind of like an eye roll moment when I when I first started watching the movie, but then I quickly got engulfed in it. Like the story is just uncomplicated. It's fun. The villain is interesting. And I think what really sold it for me is that the movie focuses heavily on Midoriya and Bakugo, and it offered really important moments for Bakugo and Midoriya with their their odd friendship. Um, like at that point in the story, it was kind of hard to even call it a friendship, but in their their, you know, their longstanding relationship, I guess you could say. So I really enjoy that stuff because I am intrigued by the character development and the relationship development behind Bakugo and Midoriya. That's one of my favorite parts of My Hero is watching the two of them like, 
I don't know, like actually become friends over time. Um, I, I don't know how to like say it because where we're at in the story, it's like, are they really friends? I don't know. Maybe we'll see. But this this movie offered a lot to that. I also thought that the animation was incredible, especially the especially the climactic fight scene. I just remember like the use of colors and like the way they made some of the moves so incredibly intense that you almost couldn't tell what was going on on screen. Like it was meant to show you that like these moves were so powerful, were so big and 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 broad on the, like the scale and the size of like what was happening that the normal person couldn't like actually process what was happening and that's how much power was behind them like all that was really really cool i don't know if you remember that like when they're fighting on the mountain and it's just like insane animation like just crazy colors everywhere i thought it was so so fun to watch i remember yeah that movie when the battle sequences started it was just one thing after another just in your face like i barely could have time to catch my breath just because how insane those sequences were. And even though the movie focused heavily on Bakugo and Midoriya, I felt like everyone got a, a chance to shine. I feel like there are other movies in My Hero where they put some of the class one members to the side. I think the first one was the first one about Midoriya and All Might on that island. They're always on an mm, island. <laughs> yeah. I think that one was more focused on All Might's backstory. Yeah. So you really didn't get much from like a lot of the the more minor supporting characters in Class 1A. I thought Heroes Rising did a great job of giving everyone a purpose, everyone a chance to shine, and everyone a moment to like showcase their skills, but also have like, you know, their limitations because they're fucking first year students who haven't even made it halfway through their first year of high school. So that was really nice to see. And I feel like they've made attempts to do that in the actual main show, especially in like season five. And a lot of it just fell flat. Um, season six is a different story. But I, I think that the way they handled almost everything in Heroes Rising was really well done. It had really good pacing. And the cherry on top, you know, because I'm I'm biased and this movie let Bakugo like really shine and he's my favorite character. I thought he had so much amazing character development, especially as a Sunday. You have him... Um, you know, acting cold as always, but then he gets introduced to those two siblings, those two kids, and um, kind of, I don't know, just like softens a little bit as he's trying to help them and sees how excited they are to meet a hero and then they want to become heroes and all of that. And he has this connection with them, even if he pretends like he doesn't because he's a son today. I, maybe that's why I really connected with this movie because it gave Bakugo so much amazing screen time. But even despite that, it was nice to see him develop in that way the only downside of this which we talk about heavily in our review and i won't like spoil anything but technically the movie is not canon and there's a reason yeah. for that at the end which which was kind of like again it was the only sticking point for me that i i really disliked about this movie that and again the premise of leaving all of your students unsupervised on an island that was kind of dumb i i don't know like it was such what happened at the end, again, I'm not going to spoil it, but what happened at the end was so incredibly important, not only for Midoriya and Bakugo, but for like quirks or a particular quirk in general. Um, and then they were like, but but by the way, it's not canon. <laughs> so that's why I was just like, I, I love this movie so much. 
Um, and I wish it was it was canon. I wish it played more heavily into the main story. I think it would have lent a lot to the story. I think it could have taken the story in an entirely different direction, honestly. But at the end of the day, like it was still a fun ride. I enjoyed it. I just I remember like just feeling so satisfied leaving that movie when we watched it in the theaters. And I think that's important is is to walk away feeling like you watched something that was really enjoyable and was well worth the money that you paid. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Heroes Rising. I always get the movie titles confused. There's There was two Heroes, which was the first one, Heroes Rising, and then World Heroes Mission, which was the most recent My Hero movie to come out. Um, I think Heroes Rising is definitely the strongest out of the three movies that I've come out from my hero so far um in a way like looking back at it i feel like the stuff that we saw in this movie almost felt like a, a taste of what we are going to see right now with season six especially with the antagonist of heroes rising feels a lot like what we see with shigaraki right now in season six um and i think Timeline wise, this takes place this movie takes place after the Metal Liberation Army arc, which was right before this arc that season six is focusing on. Um and yeah, I know talking about the climax, we, we don't want to say too much about it, but I think I was reading that the mangaka Kohei Horikoshi was actually contemplating using the climax of this movie as the ultimate climax in the proper storyline, which just shows you like how immense this moment is in the movie but yeah the one elephant in the room is that this cannot break canon of the proper series and so once <laughs> once we reach the climax and then it the movie introduces something where it reminds you like oh this is not actually going to have any effect on the character so that what we see in the proper TV show or the, or the manga doesn't get affected. It kind of reminds me that, oh, we're watching a movie that was probably developed as a sort of cash cow just to generate some, some hype and some revenue for this franchise. Not to say that it's a terrible movie because, as I said before, like I also enjoyed it. But it kind of just puts a little bit of a damper on the experience when, like, you have to realize that, like, <laughs> like most of these anime movies that are centered around franchises, like, they're only there just to, again, generate a little bit more money for the franchise. Although it seems like Demon Slayer is trying to break that mold with the movie right. train arc and all that and some other... Some other anime trying to do the same, like the Jujutsu Kaisen Zero movie is technically canon. So yeah, it's 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 a shame, but it doesn't change the fact that I really enjoyed Heroes Rising, that I think it's a great movie. It was really well done, and I encourage any My Hero fan to watch it if you haven't. So moving on to one of my favorite anime movies, it's actually within the hero sphere, but not in a way that you would expect. Uh-oh. And so one of my favorite anime movies is Batman Gotham Knight. Is that that CG one that you try to get me to watch? No. <laughs> okay. That is Ninja Batman, oh, okay. which is also a pretty fun watch. I, I always tell you, you should watch it just for one particular scene. But I know you have this sort of aversion <laughs> to CGI, so I don't know if you'll ever 
go around to watching it. Maybe I'll just show you the scene on YouTube. But anyways, Batman Gotham Knight is completely separate from uh, from Ninja Batman. This does count as an anime movie because it is on Mal and Wikipedia confirms it as a superhero anthology film. Wait, I'm seeing it on Mal as an OVA with six episodes? Yes, but it can string together as a film because there is a running story throughout the the animation. But don't all anime have running stories between their episodes? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but these are all connected. Like anthology films, I would say like if you look at maybe the what, the Animatrix, uh, which was like a precursor to this one, was there a running story through that? No, I think that they was were separate. Like a, yeah, but that was a well, yeah. With Animatrix was a movie, wasn't it? Yeah. Wait, now I'm looking it up. No, it was an OVA nine episodes. I don't. Rem- I thought it was a a movie. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think before these were considered OVA. Oh, this, well, it's hard. When did OVA become a thing? But I I, I looked at it. I confirmed on Wikipedia that it said it's an anime anthology film. I know it's weird because Mal for Animatrix says it's an OVA nine episodes, but under background it says the film won a yeah. tw- a 2003 Annie Award. Um, okay, that's fine. I was just confused because I looked it up and I was like, wait, it says OVA with six episodes. But hey, if if it's intended to be a movie but presented in a different way, that's totally fine. Yeah, so that can be a discussion and a debate for another day. But I guess. Going back to this movie, I don't think I even realized it was an anime movie the first time that I saw it because Batman Gotham Knight was released in 2008 as a tie-in with Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, which is one of my favorite Batman movie series of all time. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, it's very similar in concept to the Animatrix or even in recent memory with Star Wars Visions where there are six segments of this running story that are tackled by four anime studios, um, with the story being based in the Batman mythos. And so you have studios like Studio 4 Degrees Celsius, um, B-Train, those might not sound familiar, but these two definitely will, uh, Madhouse, the studio behind Trigun, the original Trigun, Death Note, and the remake of Hunter Hunter, and Production IG, who was involved in Haikyuu, Ghost in the Shell. I think they also did work on Attack on Titan. So the, the movie itself, or these segments, take place between the events of Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, kind of acting as a sort of transition into what we see in The Dark Knight. And I guess in that way, this I don't think these movie, this movie was considered canon by Christopher Nolan standards, but you can definitely see where it takes elements from Batman Begins and kind of that kind of influences the story moving forward. But I think what's great about this movie and these segments is that they just have these really phenomenal action sequences and attention to detail from each studio, even if they are of different visual styles and elements. Because um, I think the first episode felt sort of fully coolie esque in its style, but then you have other ones afterward that feel almost as dark or as ambient as Death Note, or just as action oriented as Attack on Titan. And I think this is a sort of grittiness, or on the opposite 
side of the spectrum, a, a sort of vibrancy in detail that only anime can achieve. And so besides it being a great film about Batman, I think this is just this movie is a great example of how anime can be used as this really effective medium to tell stories familiar to Western audiences, case in point with the aforementioned Star Wars visions. And I think it's also very evident in that each segment has an interesting interpretation of the bat suit, even though there's one suit in particular that just looks so anime that I think in the video game Batman Arkham Knight, it was featured as a, a bonus suit you could download, and it was called the anime bat suit. Um, and another thing that's just great about this, I think the film is only available right now as a, uh, an English dub, unless it's floating out there in the seven seas with the Japanese dub. But the English VA for Batman here is, of course, none other than the late and great Kevin Conroy. So really glad that they had him on for this project uh, because he's the only he's on, the only true voice of Batman, I, I would say. Um, so yeah, Batman Gotham Knight. If, if you're a Batman fan and an anime fan, a Batmanime fan, this is one that you should definitely add to your watch list. Did they air this on TV in the States? I don't think so. Uh, I think it was just released um, as a, like a, what is it called? Like straight to DVD. Because I remember buying this at a Best Buy and it was like, it had the steel book case and I thought it was so awesome. But then I ended up denting that steel book case. <laughs> um, but now it's available on HBO Max. So you can watch it from there. Um, it just doesn't have all the special features of the dvd but i don't recall it ever being aired on tv um it looks like wikipedia does say that it aired on cartoon network oh so it did air on cartoon network in 2008 and then again uh in the toonami block in 2020 the next movie on my list I don't know if this is going to be the one that we share, that we likely have in common. It might be. Um, but that movie is Your Name. No, I don't have this one. Okay. <laughs> so if you're interested in hearing our in-depth thoughts on Your Name, we did a pretty recent episode on it on Strictly Anime. It's episode 115. You can go check that out. But I think that re-watching it for that review episode actually made me appreciate the movie more i would not have put this movie on my favorites list after watching it the first time because I, I did watch it when it first came out i enjoyed it a lot but at the time it just didn't really hit me um i would say though after re-watching it I, I it resonates more with me it, i i connected with it more and i appreciated it more and i think that when, when it comes to your name the premise is just so cool. And the way that they go about it is so cool. I'm still obsessed with several moments from this movie. I'm going to try to describe them without spoiling anything. Um, but like the the big plot twist that they reveal um, that plays into like what's going on with Mitsuha and Taki, I still can't get over that. Um, or the moment towards the end of the film where um, I'll just say where they're like writing um, on each other's hands and then like something happens like that that to me is still so hard hitting it is a very quick moment it comes and goes um and it's it's pretty subdued but it's just fantastic the way that they did it the music is beautiful 
And I think that for someone like me, who's not always super keen on like, not keen, but super focused on music in TV shows and movies, this is one where the soundtrack stands out to me. I think there are other movies that have better soundtracks, but this one is still up there with some of the best. And I think it's crazy that one band did all of the music, right? Yes, Radwimps, who I think they've done most of the soundtracks for Makoto Shinkai's movies. And I, I think they're actually coming to Chicago because they're doing a a national tour. Yeah, I saw that. Maybe we'll try to see Radwimps in person. I think I talked about this in our review episode, but there are times that the movie drags things out or you know i kind of wish that there were more moments focused on like relationship development between mitsuha and taki um because there's like this shift in their relationship that happens towards the end of the movie that kind of feels like it came out of nowhere but you can infer that it's it's developed through their time you know swapping bodies because that's the whole premise of the movie is that they swap bodies no no secret there um but despite all of that i still root really hard for these two i think that the romance here is genuine, it's believable, um, and it's really cool the way they're able to learn about each other through living life, through li- living life in each other's shoes versus like actually spending time together. I think that's just such a re- like, such a unique way to go about romance. It's like you're not even sure how you'd react or interact with one another because the two of them like they're swapping bodies, so they never really been next to each other um, because they live far away from each other, yet they're still able to communicate in very unique ways. And through those communications and through the things that they do for each other when they're assuming each other's bodies, it shows that they actually care about one another. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's so cool. Like, I just, I can't believe that they developed such a believable um, and relatable romance out of a situation where two people really knew nothing about one another in the context of like them being themselves versus them being each other. It's really weird to describe because they're body swapping and it's like sometimes they're themselves, sometimes they're not. But either way, I I thought that was one of my favorite parts. I still root hard for these two um, and it's just such a fun romance to watch. And then like the, the broader story outside of the two of them is really cool. I won't go into details on it because it's going to spoil a lot if I try to. And that happens in the latter half of the film. But that premise is really interesting. It's really unique. Um, and there are times where it feels very supernatural out of nowhere. But I think it's the best that they could do to kind of explain what was going on in the latter half of the film or really what was going on in the entirety of the film. But either way, I think it was a really special movie, and I understand why it's one of the most renowned and most popular anime movies out there. Yeah, I was going to say, like, this, even though this was probably the first anime film that I watched that was, you know, centered around that typical romance, drama, slash, I guess, a little bit of comedy, um, it kind of broke the mold in certain ways. And maybe that's just expected with Makoto Shinkai. Um, I know now moving forward that his films introduce a little bit of the fantastical and kind of supernatural. And so that's, without spoiling anything, that's kind of what is running throughout this romantic storyline between Mitsuha and, um, and Taki. And yeah, I just thought that it was a unique take 
on a a story about romance, which again kind of permeates some of the anime films out there, outside of the ones that are just <laughs> franchise cash cows. And I think another aspect of this that I kind of enjoy is that it it made me realize how much of a trope the running after the girl scene is, not just in these anime romance films, but you can also see it in, in other other genres as well, and, and maybe even in some TV anime. Because, um, yeah, that plays a significant role in this movie, but it's set to, again, a great soundtrack by Rad Wimps. Um, I think Sparkle was the name of the, um, the, the main song that was featured in Your Name. My second favorite anime movie is one that we reviewed on Strictly Anime Episode 62, and that movie is Saint Onisan or Saint Young Men. Oh yeah. I forgot we we reviewed that. That was good. That was really good. Yeah, and it's one that I've been that I had wanted to watch in a in quite a long time um once I heard about the premise, which is that two of the world's most well-known deities which are jesus of christianity and buddha of buddhism they take a vacation together from their heavenly duties and they end up living together as roommates in a suburb of tokyo of all places and just from that premise this movie is a, a very simple comedy where faith is the theme but not the issue because there's that uh, very time-worn and familiar saying that you should never talk about politics and religion. But I think this movie and the writer, who is Hikaru Nakamura, takes that and does it in a way that doesn't feel like too controversial. Um, I love that she shows great knowledge and reverence for both Christianity and Buddhism with this story with her sort of clever tongue-in-cheek writing. Examples of which are like, uh, there's a Yakuza member who kind of misinterprets uh, Jesus' story about his crucifixion, believing that he's a member of a gang. Or there are a lot of instances where Buddha has like a radiant beaming face, and that ends up drawing too much public attention. So I guess story-wise, there isn't like a a singular plot that keeps moving forward i mean there are some characters in it who are sort of curious about jesus and buddha which is rightfully so because their names are just the japanese versions of jesus and buddha um and them trying to figure out like who they really are what their purpose is but other than that it's these just vignettes that kind of focus on a specific aspect of their daily lives or how that it fits in with maybe ideologies from their respective religions. But from there, there's never like a conflict between the two about whose faith is more dominant, um, which is what I really enjoy about this movie. It's that Jesus and Buddha, they kind of live in harmony and they're just very respectful of each other's ideologies and their spaces, which I think is just a, a lesson that many of us in the real world could probably take to heart. There might be some subtle commentary in how turning towards faith can play a key aspect in one's life, but 
all in all, I just found this to be a purely enjoyable comedy, regardless of what you believe. Although myself being of the Christian or being of the Catholic faith, uh, I, I particularly enjoyed it for its references. And again, for this sort of subtle way that it presents faith as something that shouldn't keep people apart, but rather keep people together bring people together bring people together yeah, yeah. <laughs> no i agree this was such a fun movie i while it doesn't land on my list of like favorites i loved this movie i would easily rewatch it i just think the humor hits over and over again it never gets stale never gets repetitive and even though i don't know a ton about you know christianity and about buddhism i could still pick up and and respect the amount of um, thought that went into each of the jokes, each of the t-shirts that they wear. Because even the t-shirts that they wear have like sayings or like little puns or something related to their religions. Um, Even some of the smallest interactions between Buddha and Jesus and like minor characters, they, they show... There's some something underlying in every in every interaction that has to do with their respective religion. And it's also nice to see how well versed Buddha is in Christianity and how well versed Jesus is in Buddhism. Like they know each other and their religions so well that they're even able to comment on one another in like a positive way or help each other in some way. So yeah, it was just like a fun, a fun ride the entire time. You you almost like don't you get a little nervous going into a movie like that because of the premise and because of everything that it's going to tackle and because of the main characters. But I walked away like totally loving it, not feeling any sort of way of one way or the other about anything and just genuinely enjoying every moment um, of that story and of all the comedy. Plus, I think you have to remember, like, I'm pretty sure like in the respective faiths, Jesus and Buddha were real people. And so this is kind of like, what if you took these people and put them into modern Japanese society and what sort of antics they would get into? I think if you just look at that without the religious aspect, it just makes for a great story. And I remember just being so enamored by this film that I wanted to pick up the actual manga that it was based on. And I did read several volumes, but I forget now where I left off. Um, But Maybe I should just pick it up again. It the manga is pretty much the same thing. I think it's still it's still ongoing from two thousand six. So maybe I'll pick it up again and see more of their quote unquote religious antics. All right, the big reveal. My number one favorite movie, even though I know you're not like rate ranking them. Um, this one definitely is my favorite anime movie ever. It is. A Silent Voice. There it is. Is That's that one on your list? My third movie. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, let's let's talk, I guess, together about A Silent Voice since it's on both of our lists. If you're interested in hearing our in-depth thoughts, we did do a full review on episode 37 of Strictly Anime. And if you listen to that, you'll know that I think this movie is stunning from music to writing and pacing to animation because it's it's got uh kyoto animation behind it Um, and how hard it hits you in the feels it's an incredible movie i felt that way the first time i ever watched it which i just like picked it up on a on a whim i had heard something about this anime movie i had free time one evening so i was like i'll just watch this and i was like holy shit it's so amazing even the rewatch that we did for our review episode it still hit just as hard and I think the biggest reason for me is 
you know, despite this movie tackling some extremely heavy themes, the way they do it is perhaps like so realistic or almost like subtle in a realistic way. And, and to kind of like expand on that, like when when things happen, um, when these heavy themes happen in this movie, I imagine people, um, you know, like I, you would expect in a movie that people are going to act super dramatic. They're going to start screaming and crying and spilling their emotions out. That doesn't happen in a silent voice there's a lot for these characters to process and their reactions tend to be more subdued but still shocked and that feels way more real for example this is something that happens in the beginning of the film i guess you could say it is kind of spoilery um but maybe not because it happens like within the first like mm, few scenes i guess so skip ahead a little bit if you don't want to hear this but Towards the beginning of the movie, after the time skip, um, you have Ishida having breakfast with his mom and his sibling. And then out of nowhere, his mom just casually says, did you try to kill yourself? And yeah, she freaks out about it as the conversation goes on. But the way she behaves in the scene is so raw that you can tell how terrified she is to even breach the subject with her son, terrified to hear what he's going to say in response, terrified to figure out like, how can I help him to make sure he never does this again? It was just like, it just hit so hard. And I realized how special this movie was um, after watching that scene, given everything that happened pre-time skip. I also think one thing that made me feel like this movie is very special and very different compared to a lot of anime movies is the immediate opening, which is, I think it's Ishida and his friends as kids, just like being kids, but it's opened with, uh, what's that song, Talking About My Generation? Um, was it The Generation? Hold on. Uh, I'm looking it up. My Generation by The Who. Yeah, it was just so cool. I, I did not expect that um, for them to use a, a pretty popular Western song. And I just thought that was a fantastic way to open the movie. And then they start diving into like the bullying and all these things. So it that that right there captured my attention and the rest of the movie like held my attention throughout. You know, I'll admit that I get teary eyed when watching certain movies or shows, but with this movie, A Silent Voice, and especially with its ending, this one just really hit me in the feels in the way that in a way that other movies have not. And I think to your earlier point, with it feeling so authentic and relatable with its heavy topics, I, I enjoy the fact that it's not your typical anime film that centers around like this lovey-dovey romance story. Although I know people like to ship Ishida and Nishimiya, which makes me think, like, would their celebrity couple name be Nishimida? <laughs> um, <laughs> I know that was, like, one thing that made me sort of hesitant with this this story is that, like, I was expecting, not spoiling too much, but I, I was expecting it to be more of a focus on how they sort of kindle a romantic relationship between them. But I think with the second watch through, I, I understood that that wasn't the point of the story. The point of it is like it's just this moving piece about learning to forgive yourself and to love yourself and not letting your past be what defines you. And I think it's rare for not just an anime film, but just an animated film to have that as its central theme. But I feel like that's something that would have that is something that resonates with a wider audience of young folk, which I'm sure is the demographic for this film, 
that that it doesn't need like a palette of Disney vibrance of, for it to be conveyed. Even though KyoAni does a fantastic job and goes above and beyond with the quality of the film itself, but yeah, I think it it just takes something that I'm sure runs through a lot of young teenagers' minds with like bullying and guilt and even depression, and puts it in a light where it's it's still palatable and it still resonates with you in a way that you can really reflect on these topics and come out with a better sense of how to address them. Yeah, to piggyback off of that, I and this kind of goes to that theme of like the way they present things in this film is more subdued, is more subtle, is more realistic. You can tell how fucking broken Ishida is after the time skip. Like as as a young adult, like he is just broken. He is full of remorse for the way he behaved um, in the past. And he's almost like an empty shell of himself for the majority of the film. And that's the point is he just feels lost. He feels like he doesn't deserve anything, deserve any kind of happiness. But it's not done in your tropey anime way where he's like, woe is me. I'm a crying anime protagonist. You know, you're <laughs> Carl's favorite type of protagonist, mm-hmm. the, the self-doubting protagonist. Um, it's just like, it's all internal. You know that he's bottling these things up, but he never talks about it. And that just makes you root for him all the more because you want him to overcome these things you can tell how genuine he is in his uh his goal to redeem himself to win forgiveness not even win forgiveness earn forgiveness and um it it just makes him so incredibly vulnerable and i think you talked about this um in our actual review episode that you you want to protect Nishimiya at all costs like she is just mm-hmm. so precious and I feel that same way about Ishida you just want to protect him you want to hold him and hug him and tell him it's all going to be okay um, even if he's not you know laying there like sobbing his eyes out every five seconds just watching him interact with anybody or do anything that should give you happiness um, you can just tell he can't totally get there and while I may not personally be familiar with with depression and all of that, I, I have learned through, you know, a lot of reading and hearing other people's experiences that that's part of what depression is, is that you you can act like you're enjoying a moment. You can act like you're part of a moment. But really, deep down inside, you just cannot connect. You cannot mm-hmm. connect. You cannot feel those emotions in the same way other people are feeling them. And I think you get the same thing from Nishimiya because she just seems like a very positive person. You know, she's trying to make the best of things. And then more of what she's experiencing comes to light and it just hits you so hard because you thought one thing this whole time and then you find out something completely different. Now, that's what's great too is that I don't feel like any of these characters are like caricatures or representative of a certain dairy type. Although I, I would say like, uh, who's the guy that looks like Mineta? Oh, the short guy here. I have yeah. the character list open. Um, or the... The girl who's infatuated with Ishida. The guy is Tomohiro Nagatsuka. And then the who's the other girl? Um, Ueno. The one oh, who... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that bitch. Just, yeah. <laughs> like maybe they, they can fit a certain character type. But I think outside of that, the, the characters are... They feel well-rounded and they feel realistic. Because even though I say like Nishimiya, she must be protected at all costs she too has her vulnerabilities and it's not just like this 
perfect character. Um, much as like with Ishida, we follow his journey in learning how to better himself. And I think that's what I appreciate too. Like it goes back to how relatable and how relevant this movie seems in comparison to other anime films or again, other animated films where it's not just like a, a story that tugs at the heartstrings or just makes you like laugh your ass off. It It's a story about life and everything that comes with it. I have to say, though, I am one of those people who ship the fucking shit out of Nishimiya and Ishida. Mm-hmm. And as much as I love Sundarais, watching Ishida grow out of his bully phase and almost become, again, like the broken person realizing what he did to her back when they were kids, that was really powerful and tragic at the same time. And again, he kind of experiences like this sort of redemption arc of sorts when his his estranged relationship with her blossoms into one where they get to understand each other and become close and whatnot. And I know there's that trope, too, in anime where, like, you know, someone falls for, like, their bully or whatever, and it, it almost feels, like, morally conflicting. I don't get that in this this movie because I don't feel like Nishimiya is falling for her bully in some twisted way. I feel like she's falling for him when she realizes that he's changed for the better right. and genuinely wants to be a better person. You can tell how badly he wants to become a better person and never be like how he was when he was a kid. And it's so great, but also so heartbreaking to watch at the same time. You get such a mixed bag of emotions with every scene that comes through in a silent voice. That's another great thing about this movie is the concept of growth. Because I'm sure everyone right now is a very different person from what they were 10 or 20 years ago. And I think this movie handles that in a, a very raw way too. Um, and yeah, I, I never got the vibes that, I don't know if it's, you could consider it Stockholm Syndrome in a way where Nishimiya is falling for her former aggressor. But that's just another part of life too. Like realizing that we've made mistakes in the past and we want to make up for it in the future. I think that was a beautiful message that this film conveys. Yeah, so all in all, Asylum Voice, to me, tops all anime movies. I think it's just fantastic in so many different ways, and I already can't wait to rewatch it. That's the biggest tell for me. I'm actually not a person who uh, who seeks out rewatching opportunities. I don't ever replay video games unless it's something from the Zelda franchise. So for me to actually want to and feel compelled to rewatch a movie and get excited about that idea is uh, a big sign that this movie means a lot it's just it's aggravating that in the year that it would have been worthy of oscar contention i think the internet has exploited this that it lost out to boss baby (laughs) i oh my god that still makes me so upset (laughs) Mm -hmm. like I've, i've never watched boss baby but i'm sure the story of a silent voice would grip audiences more than about a baby that's voiced by Alec Baldwin. Yeah, I'll never understand what the fuck happened there. Maybe I need to watch Boss Baby to fully un- appreciate this uh, award-winning movie. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm skeptical. Because I'm, I'm looking at the year um, when A Silent Voice would have been in contention for the Oscars. It would have gone up against Coco, The Breadwinner, Ferdinand. Ooh, Coco, that would have been a tough Loving one, Bisman. though. Yeah, Coco, I think, yeah, that would be a, a good head-to-head between A Silent Voice and Coco. But 
Yeah. Then I see the boss baby and it's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Let's jump into a few honorable mentions. I, I only have one, but you mentioned that you have two. These are movies that we really appreciated in some way. They just maybe don't quite hit the mark to land on our favorites list, but are still worth talking about. So for me, my honorable mention is the Konosuba movie, Legend of Crimson, mm. which is like totally out there for me because I really enjoyed Konosuba, but I wouldn't call it one of my favorite anime. Uh, I think it's a great comedy and I can't wait to see more of it. But it's also like, you know, I watched it and then I, I moved on with my life. But something about the Konosuba movie was fucking amazing. I found the show to be hilarious, but this movie took that comedy to the next level. I thought every joke hit. Um, I thought the the overall story was interesting, and but then also had the comedy elements in addition to that. So it wasn't like it was just purely riding on the comedic elements. It actually had an interesting story um, that this group had, you know, that Cosmos group had to go through. And I love Megumin. And I shipped the shit out of Megumin and Cosma. So really, this movie had everything for me. Um, I thought the animation was fantastic during some of the major fight scenes. I just walked away from this movie feeling like so satisfied after watching it. And I think I watched it at like three o'clock in the morning when you were like dead asleep. <laughs> I kind of remember because <laughs> I was on this Konosuba binge because I, I binge all my anime. And then, of course, I needed to after watching the main show, I was like, oh, well, now I'm going to watch the movie. And I was like, holy shit, this is so good. Even at three o'clock in the morning when I was so tired, I like could not stop watching. I couldn't pause it. I needed to see the whole thing because I think it just came together so well. And the best part is I think it's canon. I don't want to say that for sure, but I'm I'm like 80 to 90 percent sure that it's canon because I looked up some stuff afterward but i didn't want to deep dive because i didn't want to get spoiled um for any of like the the non-anime content that hasn't been adapted yet so if that is the case let's fucking go that's a huge bonus you watch this amazing movie where you love everything that happens especially when it comes to romantic elements and then you're like oh this could be canon this could be worth my time hmm. my hero academia heroes rising so i wanted to call that movie out because i thought it was so well done if you love konosuba and you haven't watched the movie you probably should because, I, again, I think it's canon, so you might miss out on some story elements. But also, just in general, it was a really fun watch and absolutely hilarious. Both my honorable mentions are also revolved around certain anime franchises. Although the first one you might find a little bit surprising, but it's kind of in the same vein where it's it's unlike My Hero, where it actually fits within canon in a unique way. Um, so my first honorable mention is... Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. Really? Yeah. Really? I went into... Because I think a lot of you know that I'm not so hot on Jujutsu Kaisen as a series. But uh, so like when we went to the theater, like a bunch of our friends wanted to go see it. So I I tagged along. Um, and I will say my expectations were subverted about this movie. <laughs> um, I... I I think I mentioned this in our review. I like the movie a lot more than I like the first season of Jujutsu Kaisen. That's and I don't true. You know, have said that a lot. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why. Maybe it's because this movie made me understand the cursed energy power system even more, or that I found Yuta to be a more compelling character than Itadori. Um, but I, I can't explain it. I just enjoyed this movie so much. And I kind of want to rewatch it now before, you know, heading into, I'm pretty sure Jujutsu Kaisen season two comes out this year. 
at some point. Um, but yeah, the coolest thing about it is that it's an actual prequel to the Jujutsu Kaisen series because I think the mangaka actually wrote this first. Um, Hiroshi Seko, or no, sorry, Gege Akutami wrote this story first before he developed the story for Jujutsu Kaisen. Let's go, canon movies. Yeah, and... Obviously, this gives a lot of context to things that were mentioned in season one, especially with the story of Yuta being this sort of mysterious figure um, that some of the other students know or are familiar with. And then the event, uh, was it the night parade of 100 demons, finally getting to see that unfold instead of this thing that people said, oh, this great event happened in the past. We see that in this movie and it's quite a, Quite an interesting time. So, yeah, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, I put on my honorable mentions, even though, like I said, I'm not a big fan of Jujutsu Kaisen. My second honorable mention, this is... Wait, really quick. If anyone's interested in hearing our full thoughts on Jujutsu Kaisen Zero movie, we did a review on episode 79 of Strictly Strictly Anime. Oh my God, I can't talk. (laughs) And to wrap up with my second honorable mention, this is kind of stupid, but... I think <laughs> it's it's worth mentioning this because this is probably the first anime movie that I watched, even though I didn't realize it was an anime movie. Pokemon, the first movie. <laughs> okay, I was actually thinking about putting that as an honorable mention as well. So that, that would go on my, my list. Yes, I know that Western movie critics panned the shit out of this film, but, you know, it was released at the height of the craze of the pocket monsters. And I know you and I were part of that craze in the late 90s, early 2000s. Hell yeah. And so I vividly and fondly remember watching this movie on vhs well the only thing more powerful than movie critics is nostalgia so (laughs) by nostalgia means you know i i think it's a fantastic movie (laughs) i objectively yeah maybe the story of this movie is stupid (laughs) because it's about (laughs) mewtwo and the pokemon clones but then it has a great message at the end where was it? It's not the circumstances of one's birth, but like what you do um, <laughs> after that. I think that's what Mewtwo says. Uh, but yeah, a lot of great moments that have lived on in like anime meme history with this, especially with you know uh, Ash trying to throw hands with Mewtwo <laughs> and then him turning into stone, and somehow his hat turns around, <laughs> yeah. or then Pikachu crying the the Pokemon tears. I know I'm spoiling the shit out of this movie, but I don't care. It's been out for nearly thirty years, but man, this movie was just a great ride when I first watched it. Fun fact: This is the movie that solidified my mom's hatred of Pikachu because <laughs> <laughs> she took us. We we'd watched Pokemon, uh, you know when it was on tv growing up and she was always kind of like lukewarm about pikachu but then my parents took us to go see the movie um and she just like fucking hated pikachu after that she's like (laughs) i can't stand that little thing i hate it blah 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 (laughs) so we played a prank on her one time where we went to uh, a fabric store and they had like a giant like blanket sized like pikachu print i think it was from like the not the t not the movie but the tv show so we bought a piece of that fabric and then we hung it up on the living room wall and it was so high up she couldn't get it down so then she got really frustrated she's like i hate that thing so much um so yeah anyway she hates it but we loved it and all of the the hype that came around with that the burger king uh 
what is it the kids meal toys yeah, the pokeballs with the gold cards yeah and then the soundtrack with the vitamin c song that everyone fucking loved <laughs> yeah and i think my vhs came with a special mewtwo card like pokemon trading card that i've kept to this day i don't know if it's necessarily rare but i, I thought it was cool <laughs> <laughs> so yeah there's there's a special place in our hearts for the pokemon movie if you grew up in in our generation and all of the the fun hype that came along with that. Okay, I'm glad that you put it on your list. I was thinking about doing it. I didn't commit to it, and I'm kind of sad I didn't. Oh, and then you can't forget about um, Pikachu's Vacation, the short that came right before the actual movie. I think it was a thing before Pixar shorts became a thing in Pixar movies. Well, so. that was where the Pokemon, like there were subtitles for them, but they like were just saying their names as normal the entire no, time. No, th- there were no subtitles. It was just them speaking in their their Pokemon noises. Oh, okay. Well, I think you're thinking of the episode of Pokemon where oh, yeah, they're maybe. on that island. Here it's just them taking a vacation and then shit happens and they all work together or something. But the point the point I'm trying to make is that they didn't need Pikachu to speak English. Like in oh, that, right. whatever movie no. came after this yeah. where there was that scene where Pikachu talks to, to Ash in English for some reason <laughs> and everyone just detests that so much. Yeah, no, the, st- the story spoke for itself. <laughs> oh, man, but yeah, this first Pokemon movie was just fantastic. And there you have it, our favorite anime movies. We're going to have to revisit this, I think, at some point, you know, maybe a couple years out when more anime movies come out. I I don't know if anything will ever top a silent voice for me, but I'm sure there's going to be more movies that come out down the road that could end up on our favorites list or maybe some of these honorable mentions. So if you're interested in, in us revisiting this topic in the future, let us know. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in once again. Hope you enjoyed this discussion. We appreciate you guys so, so much. And thanks for bearing with us sounding uh, a little under the weather. Subscribe to Strictly Anime on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us and let us know your favorite anime movies. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash thestrictlyseries. And tune into Strictly JoJo, our other podcast dedicated to JoJo's bizarre adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb.